Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. When we closed last week's broadcast, we were talking about the second half of 1 Corinthians 13.6. Love rejoices with the truth. When we marry, there's a hidden hope in our hearts. I don't think it's a conscious desire, but I think all of us are hoping that we might actually have found someone who knows us in spite of all our imperfections and idiosyncrasies. We are people who long to be fully known and fully loved. But over the years, we've come to believe that there are some things about us, things we think or things we've done, that we need to keep locked away from anyone in order to be accepted and loved. Maybe we got up the nerve at some point to drop our guard and be honest with another person about who we really are, only to experience rejection. All of a sudden, the person we thought was a trusted friend starts to back away from us relationally. Or maybe our own sense of shame has convinced us that if someone knew the the real me, they couldn't possibly still love us. That shame leaves us convinced that we are unlovable. And then it happens. We meet someone who seems to be attracted to us, someone who wants to know us better, and who doesn't flinch when we carefully and cautiously begin to peel back just a few of the protective layers we've built around our lives. Hope starts to well up in us that maybe there is someone who would still find us worthy of love in spite of what we know is really true about who we are. The great promise of Scripture is that this deep longing to be fully known and fully loved can be fulfilled by God. The same God who has searched us and known us and who discerns our thoughts from afar has pledged His love to us and has promised to never leave us or forsake us. And somewhere deep inside every one of us is the hope that if God can really know us and still loves us, Maybe we can find someone in this life who can show us that same kind of unconditional acceptance and love. Still, there's a a small voice at work in each of us that keeps whispering, Don't let your guard down. If that person really knew who you are, there's no way he or she could love you. If we've read the Bible, we know where that voice comes from. The word in Hebrew that is translated Satan is a word that means accuser. The way the accuser works in our lives is through what are described by the Apostle Paul as fiery darts. The tactic he uses with believers is to remind us of our failings and flaws. He regularly tempts us to believe that there is no way God could love us given our utter unworthiness. There's no way God could love you, he whispers. I mean, just look at what a mess you really are. Paul says that only the shield of faith can extinguish those darts. God loves us with an unfailing, everlasting love. When it comes to how we are loved by our spouse, though, there's a problem. Our spouse isn't God. He or she does not have the same divine ability to love us in spite of our weaknesses. God's grace is never-ending. Our spouse's capacity for extending grace has limits. That's why we often find ourselves functioning with a filter in marriage. 
we keep the worst parts of who we are, our failings, our sinful thoughts or actions, from one another because deep down we're convinced that if our spouse really knew us fully, there is no way he or she could really love us. This is our subconscious strategy during the dating years. Remember, we've said that when we were dating, we were selling an image of a person you hoped the other person would buy, and vice versa. We made sure we presented our best selves to one another. When we knew we were going to be together, we made ourselves as attractive as possible. We put on our best behavior and worked to be our most charming and our most likable. We didn't want to do anything that might repel the other person we were attracted to. And when it came to how we viewed the other person, we were prone to fill in the blank spaces, the parts about the other person we didn't know, by assuming the best. By the time we were standing face to face, exchanging vows before God and witnesses, we had seen enough to believe that our lives together would be better than our lives apart would be. But it's all the things we don't know about each other, along with all the things about ourselves that we've kept hidden, that will begin to challenge our commitment as they become exposed in marriage. And then our spouse learns something new about us, some shameful part of our past, or about how we think or feel about certain issues, and he or she responds by pulling back or withdrawing. When that happens, we quickly get the message. Being fully known is not safe. We have to keep our disguise on and our guard up if we want to experience some level of acceptance and something close to real love. Love rejoices in the truth. Love grows when we learn how to handle the truth about one another. Love thrives when we learn how to extend grace and receive grace in marriage. God's design for marriage is for two people to be real with each other, to be fully exposed and still loved, to be naked before each other, without shame. And that only happens when we start to grow as grace givers. Love will only flourish in an environment of trust, and trust takes time and care to build, but it can be destroyed in an instant. Love rejoices in the truth the whole truth. We've come to think of a lie as something that is clearly untrue. But Bob says that our definition needs to be expanded. Anytime we say something to another person and our intent is to somehow leave a wrong impression with that person, we've told a lie. When your intent is to deceive someone, you're bearing false witness. You're not telling the truth. A strong marriage is built on a foundation of trust. It's how we define our relationship with Jesus. We tell people we have put our trust in Him as Savior and Lord. What underpins our relationship with Him is our belief that God is trustworthy and true. We can depend on Him. Jesus has declared Himself to be not just the source of truth, but truth itself. And we rejoice in Him. We trust Him. We rejoice in the truth. Love and trust walk hand in hand. It's much easier to love someone who has proven himself or herself to be dependable and trustworthy. 
it's hard to continue loving someone whose word we cannot depend on. Having worked with couples whose marriages have been rocked by infidelity, I know that a single act of betrayal like that can take a long time, sometimes years, to repair. Trust is more fragile than most of us realize. We learn to trust one another over time, but that trust can vanish in an instant, and when it does, the only way it can be restored is through a process that involves humility, brokenness, confession of sin, the fruit of repentance, and the rebuilding of trust during a long season of demonstrating faithfulness and dependability. I think I could safely say that most marriages don't experience adultery and the trauma that comes from it. But virtually every marriage experiences those moments when we find ourselves shading the truth and, in turn, creating cracks in the foundation of trust that is essential to a loving marriage. The Bible puts a priority on truth. One of the Ten Commandments prohibits bearing false witness, The book of Proverbs tells us that our gracious and loving God hates, among other things, a lying tongue. In the New Testament, we're told to put away falsehood. The Apostle Paul makes it crystal clear when he says in Colossians 3.9, Do not lie to one another. Theologian Dr. Wayne Grudem once said, Imagine for a minute, what would your family be like, husband and wife, parents and children, What would your family be like if you were sure that no one ever told a lie? What would it be like if you had a five, ten-year history where you knew you could trust completely everything your wife said or everything your husband said, and there would be no lying in your family? Well, it would solve thousands of conflicts and thousands of problems, and the level of trust that would result from that would be phenomenal it would revolutionize marriages. It would revolutionize families. Just a commitment to telling the truth. The question for each of us in our marriage is, how committed are we to being truth-tellers with one another while always expressing the truth in love? We often avoid telling one another the truth because we're afraid the truth will hurt. Or we think, that's none of your business or we're just trying to be polite. A healthy, loving relationship can't grow when we always have to wonder if our spouse is telling us the truth. A commitment to truth-telling in marriage is part of how we love one another well and build a foundation of trust. Bob Lapine says that one of the key principles that he and his wife learned early in their marriage is that different isn't necessarily wrong. It's just different. You might wonder why anyone in his right mind would choose a dip of pralines and cream over a scoop of deep chocolate peanut butter. But it's a choice. It's different. But it's not wrong. It's not unusual for husbands and wives to have different perspectives on a wide variety of issues. In fact, it would be odd if we didn't. It's been said, If both of you think alike, one of you would be unnecessary. Well, our time's gone for today. And as we close, I invite you to join me Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page 
for some live teaching about areas of your relationship or mutual understanding is critical. Have a great and safe weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.